Hello and welcome to the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson, the podcast designed to give you all the financial advice you'll ever need. This is episode 153, where in a moment we chat pound cost averaging. That's in just a second, as I say, but please bear in mind if you have a general financial query, you're in the right place because we have an enormous resource of free advice right here. And you can access it all simply through delving into our back catalogue of shows. Because in our programs to date, we featured loads of stuff. Mortgages, investing, wills, and powers of attorney, and loads more. You name it, we've done it pretty much. Last time we discussed your pension, your choices. Find the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts, and you'll get us there. Like I said, an enormous resource, all available for free. Find our previous shows after listening to this one and have a binge on what you need. While you're there, if you could rate and review us, for instance, you could tell us what we need to address to help you out and follow the show. Then that way you'll get that episode when we record it next time. I'm John Ellis, and here's the star of our show, Phil Anderson. Hi, Phil. Hi, John. How are you today? Good, thank you. Now, pound cost averaging. What on earth is that? <laughs> yeah, something we've mentioned just briefly a couple of times on, on previous podcasts, but probably, I mean, it's a technical term for what's probably quite a simple way to invest money. If you had money to invest, rather than doing it all in one go, what pound cost averaging is, is like spreading it out. So for example, let's say you had £20,000 to invest, you might decide to pay £5,000 in at four different times. So perhaps you might think, right, I'll put £5,000 in now, £5,000 in in three months time, £5,000 in in six months time, and then the rest nine months time. So you're kind of like, I would probably say pound cost averaging, it's effectively drip feeding your investment rather than in investing something all in one go. So making a number of contributions rather than doing it all in one go, it just allows you to buy in at different prices. So stock markets, for example, will rise and fall over time. Nobody knows when or by how much. And because market fluctuate markets fluctuate, pound cost averaging, it's a way of trying to almost like spread the risk a, a wee bit. So that, that's pretty much what, what it is. Well, where did the phrase originate then? Yeah, can I? I, I was having a look online because I thought I, I didn't know the answer to that. But way back in 1949, there was a book called The Intelligent Investor. And in that, they used a phrase called dollar cost averaging. So we've just kind of changed it to, to pound cost averaging. But that, that book, it was written by a chap called Benjamin Graham. And he was actually one of the people that Warren Buffett looked up to when he was younger. So that, that was where that phrase seems to originate from when it was first used. The advantages then of, of pound cost averaging, Phil, what are they when it comes to investing? Yeah, I mean, I guess probably the pound cost averaging, there's a, a few advantages. One of them is that it can take away some of the worry around long-term investing. So that that's a slight advantage for, for some. A, a potential benefit is that it can help if markets fall. If you invest a lump sum and markets were to go down soon afterwards, what you'll find is then your investment has gone down in value. But by sort of drip feeding the money in, if if you use pound cost averaging, it really means that if markets go down, you're then buying in at a lower price. So you're then kind of better off. It, investing in this way, it removes some of the emotion out of investing in the stock market. It can also shelter you, as I say, a wee bit from, from kind of some of the volatility. It takes away some of the risks so should there be any sharp downturns straight after you've invested, it kind of helps 
like mitigate any losses you might suffer because of that. But pound cost averaging, it can be a little bit less daunting for people, like a, a less daunting way for them to invest. It, it can also have the benefit that it can help you almost like with a, a disciplined approach. So if you're maybe an inexperienced investor, it can just get you used to putting things away at, at certain periods. And it, it definitely kind of helps people overcome some of the emotional hurdles when, when investing. So quite a few different sort of benefits there. And as for the, the disadvantages of pound cost averaging? Yeah, I mean, I, I suppose some of the disadvantages are the opposite of the, the advantages. So if, if you made a lump sum and investment markets were to go up soon after, then if, if you'd done a, a lump sum investment, you've scored and, and done well there. But with pound cost averaging, if you don't invest all in one go and sort of drip feed it in, if investment markets were to shoot right up, you've kind of lost out on some yeah. of that potential growth there. So, I mean, that's just like a scenario where you could sort of lose out, but um, there's sort of pros and cons to it as well. So although there are quite a number of good sides, there, there can be disadvantages too. Can you split it then? Can you say which is better, pound cost averaging or investing in a lump sum? Yeah, I mean, when you say split it, I mean, some people will say, right, I'll invest so much of a lump sum and then they'll pay in so much over a period of time as well. So you can sort of split it there, but it's quite a difficult one to answer, sort of saying, right, what's better? It's like, is pound cost averaging better or is investing a lump sum better? I'd probably say a lot of that comes down to your own sort of circumstances and preferences and what somebody's comfortable with. But for, for people investing for the first time, it can be quite a good thing to consider. It can also be good for investors who are maybe wary of how markets are going to go. So th there's certain types of people that it may benefit. If if you're paying in an investment on a regular basis, then volatility can actually be a good thing for you because people often get weary when things are going up and down. But if you are paying in monthly, so for example, to the likes of a pension, you're buying in at different points. So when fund values go up or down, when things are actually going down, you're buying in at a lower sort of price. So, so the volatility on regular payments going in can actually be a, a good thing for, for somebody because it's allowing you to, to buy at a better price. But I, I would say when it comes to is is it better to invest a lump sum or look at pound cost averaging, it is all down to like the individual's own circumstances, how they feel. Like I say, one, one of the advantages with pound cost averaging is that it can kind of just take away some of the worry around long-term investing, but it, it's really doing what's most comfortable for the, the individual. And in terms of which way to go on this, Phil, this is always the point that we reach in, in every single episode, I think. A financial advisor is the person that's going to help you out with this, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, they, they can help as well explaining how volatility works. So that that's quite a, an important thing that a financial advisor would, would be able to do. One great thing as well is that most investment platforms and providers they're an awful lot more flexible these days than what they used to be. Quite often it used to be, right, you can put in a lump sum and that's it. And, and a lot of policies weren't flexible. They maybe wouldn't let you add to it. But th there's a lot more flexibility in the products and that's available out there. So, yeah, a, a good financial advisor, they can advise you on the, the different products, different platforms. They, they can also look at things like, I help you invest in a way that's most comfortable to you. So whether that be 
using the pound cost averaging or whether it's just putting money in as a, a one-off lump sum. That's all the sort of things that an advisor would be able to cover with, with a client. And the, the advisor as well, they can also help you decide the best way to invest and in, in not just in terms of lump sum or, or like drip feeding an investment, but they can also help you with things like using up your ISA allowance. They can explain like different sort of tax advantages, of pe- investing in pensions, that sort of thing. Go- going back to the ISAs as well, I have actually seen people like almost, they quite drip feed their ISAs, but they- they'll look at r- run about ISA season, so run about March, April time. Some folk will say, right, I want to invest my ISA allowance for this tax year now, and then maybe in a few weeks' time, I want you to invest the ICE allowance for the next tax year. So that that's a wee bit like pound cost averaging because you're putting it in at different, slightly different times as well. But yeah, financial advisors can help with, with all of that sort of things. You mentioned, you know, when you're talking about markets, they will go up, they will go down, and volatility can sometimes be a, a good thing. I just wonder, with the, the general state of the world just now, would you look at the markets and say, okay, we do see volatile times in the markets on a regular basis, but right now is exponentially worse or about the same? Where are we in terms of that? Yeah, I mean, people people get nervous when they see things going up or down. Now, some some investors, when things go down, they see it as an opportunity. And so that, that would be somebody that you maybe would class as a bit more, not so much speculative, but... A lot of cautious investors, when things go down, they're not maybe quite so so comfortable with that. So risk is a big factor in things. And again, that's where the financial advisor comes in because they they sit down with someone and assess, right, what risks are you willing to take and what are you comfortable to, to take? But I mean, just now we, we've seen cash rates have increased quite a lot. The Bank of England base rate has been going up quite a bit over the, the last year. And what I would say, even though cash rates have increased, you've got to remember that inflation is actually still above what you're getting for that sort of rates on on cash. So in real terms, someone invested in cash is actually still losing money in in real terms. So that's an important consideration as well. The, The best place for your money, it all really comes down to what your plans are for it, the level of risk that you're comfortable taking. And it also comes down to your own personal situation as well. What do you want to achieve with the money? What's that money for? You've maybe got earmarked for something in the future. And again, a good financial advisor can go through all of that sort of things with you. Kind of a bit of a plug for, for a previous episode, but just recently, a couple of weeks ago in episode 151, the, the topic of that one was cash is king or is it? And that was actually quite a good one where we, we covered quite a bit in that episode all around kind of like interest rates having gone up and is it a good idea to have your money in cash and, and certainly good idea for some people, good idea for, for per- certain parts of what people have got, but for others it might not be quite so so good there yeah. as well. Yeah, because as, as you mentioned, you know, with interest rates now above 5%, markets still suffering from periods of volatility. Some people are, are nervous about investing and keen to yeah. have more mon- money in, in what they see as a safe haven yeah. of cash. But as you said there, that's not always the wise way yeah. to go, is it? And that's it. Go, going back to the volatility as well, I mean, you were kind of asking, I think, whether now is, is got, there's maybe more volatility. But, mm-hmm. And really, the, the thing is, nobody kind of knows. I mean, we, we had a client came in not that long ago, hadn't they really been happy with the, the way their investment had performed over the last year. And it's like, look, this is the circumstances, this is the reasons kind of why that's happened. 
Then now that chap just spoke to me. I'm I'm not registered as an advisor anymore, so I don't give actual investment advice. But I had a chat with a chap myself, and I said to him, "I goes, look, this could go down further." That's one of the things I was like. But your attitude to risk was cautious. We've put you into what was deemed a, a cautious investment, and yeah, it hadn't performed as well as as what we had hoped, but. We're always keeping an eye on it, looking to see, right, is that still the best place for you? And, and also try to reassure them, look, this is a long-term investment. It's near short-term sort of thing. And and going back to the volatility, I mean, a few weeks ago, we had the guest on from Aviva speaking about like the tech stocks and, and how they were going. And then I read an article just earlier in the week about one of these large tech stocks that they thought, oh, there might be a bit of a bubble there. So, I mean, if that, company was to fail or it was one of the ones that deals with AI and artificial intelligence and it, it, what you can't find is all it takes is for maybe like a big company to get in trouble and then all of a sudden that can impact on other mm. sort of businesses and and then like over the last few years clearly we've had the volatility due to the pandemic we had volatility because of the war in ukraine there's all sorts of things come up so you just never know like what's coming up and and when but um the, the main thing to realize is if someone is investing into for example stocks and shares and equity markets you, you've got to remember that that's long-term investment so that are longer term investing. So you've got to be prepared to see some ups and downs with, with that as well. Now, as we always do, Phil, in your podcast, we take a look at how our subject matter has affected your own life, both professionally and, and personally. So what do you want to focus on from today's show, pound cost averaging? Yeah, I mean, on, on previous podcasts, listeners will have heard me go on about sort of time in the markets as opposed to timing the markets. Personally, I've, I've invested lump sums before. I've, I've also used pound cost averaging. So I, it's something I've I've done both of in the, the past. And like I've said on previous shows, timing the market is very difficult. The, the best way for investment growth is to invest in something over the, the long term. Also in the podcast, a regular bit we delve into is your quote of the week. Now, being a fan as you are of influential and motivational sayings and quotes, what do you have for this week in our topic of pound cost averaging? Yeah, I haven't so much got a quote, but I, I was going to read out. You, you'll often see when, when you go into different insurance companies or investment companies, they've got the disclaimer. So I was going to, I was going to use that as the, the quote of the week. Um, Please note that past performance is not a reliable guide to future performance and the value of your investments and any income can go down as well as up. So you could get, so you could get back less than you invested. I thought it was good. Like you yeah. want to have balance and yeah. things. I mean, absolutely. It's funny. I remember one one financial advisor. He used to always say investments can go up as well as, as well down. As down. That was a quote that he <laughs> say. But um, I mean, you you hope that over a longer period of time things do do well. But it is risk is a, a big thing to to look right. at. You often see disclaimers saying capital is at risk, or yeah. th- there's one that's going about just now that says, as with all investments your capital is at risk. Now, I, I can see where they're coming from there because even if you've got your money in the bank or building society, I suppose your capital could be at, seem to be at risk because of inflation, for example. So a wee bit subjective as to how people interpret it, but I just thought in, in the interest of kind of keeping things not too biased, I thought we'll, we'll go with that as the, the quote of the week this week. Absolutely. Now, Phil is really keen on trying to help you with your queries. So if ever you want to email a question to us, please do. And as always, we can ask it anonymously, if that's how you prefer. 
Let's get on to this week's contact details in a moment, which after this. This first one's from Tom, who says, Hi Phil, like you, we're selling our house soon, and we prefer to take our time in the market to buy afterwards, assuming our house sells quickly. Uh, in the meantime, we'd rent, which I'm not completely keen on because it means we're paying someone else's mortgage uh, for one thing, but I'm 50 now and my wife is 52. I'm wondering if we have the time to dilly-dally and still get a mortgage at our age. How long do we have before we have to take the plunge? Do you know, the, the good news for them is that some lenders will allow you to take out a mortgage to a higher age. Just recently, Halifax, they're, they're the, the biggest lender in the UK. They're the lender that does the most mortgages across the, the country. And they, they actually recently extended their maximum age to age 80. But that's only if you've got a repayment mortgage. If it's an interest-only mortgage, they only allow you to do it up to, to age 70, I think it was. But for, for the likes of that ones there, I mean, the, the great thing is that you've got the option where they will allow you to take it up to age 80. Now, whether you want to work, work to that sort of age. But I mean, if you're age, say, 50 and 52, potentially, I mean, they, they could take out like a 25-year mortgage yeah. and that would be acceptable to the lender. But I, I guess as well, part of it depends on what type of work you're doing. I mean, if you're doing hard manual work, you, you probably don't want to be doing that up to the age of 80. Whereas if you've got like a, a cushy number in an office, you might think, Ray, fine, <laughs> I will work on a, a bit more. So and another thing just for, for them to, to note as well for, for Tom is that you, you also get what's called lifetime mortgages and equity release. We, we did do a previous podcast on that at one point. Mm-hmm. One thing that I would note with that is that you can only speak to advisors who are qualified and done the exams that can help with that. But that may be another option for someone at some point in the future. That type of mortgage tends to be for people usually kind of age 60 plus. But there are options out there, as I say, like Halifax will now consider up to, they've extended their maximum age up to age 80. So it allows a bit more flexibility for people there. Next up, here's one from Angie who asks, Hi Phil, I I like placing what little spare savings I have in ices. I set one up for myself, my hubby, and our two kids have junior ices as well. Am I missing a trick anywhere? For instance, on top of our own ices, can you also get a joint ISA like you can a mortgage? Yeah, ISA stands for Individual Savings Account. So they can only be set up in one name. You do have lots of various different types of ISAs. So again, they're just saying about like junior ISAs and stuff. So seems to know a bit about that. We've done a couple of podcasts on ISAs. Um, episode 74 was cash ISAs versus stocks and shares ISAs. Episode 22 might be quite a good one for Angie to go back and listen to. That The title of that podcast was All You Need to Know About ISAs. I know. Now, I haven't listened to that episode for a while. We did record it back in February 2021. However, you'll probably find that most of that is still relevant. I don't think the ISA limits have changed in that time. Certain certain podcasts we've recorded, the, the, some of the, the limits might have changed and stuff. But I think on, on episode 22, the bulk of that probably still be relevant today is what it was kind of then. You might hear us speaking about things like the p- pandemic and stuff because it was two <laughs> years ago, but um, no, it'll probably be still pretty much all up to date, I would imagine. Okay, good advice. I would just say as well, before you get in touch with a question, you might want to take a look at our back catalogue because, as Phil says, we've covered a lot of topics and we may have touched on what you're interested in. I'm Joe Ellis. Thank you for joining us for episode 153 of the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson. If you feel you need a helping hand with anything we've been discussing or anything else of a monetary matter, 
find Phil for finance. Search Phil Anderson Financial Services online or join the Facebook group for the show. Search Personal Finance Community. That's Personal Finance Community on Facebook. Phil's on Twitter and LinkedIn as well. Or why not email Phil a question you can answer on a future show. His address is phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk. That's phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk. Send them your question and Phil could be answering it in an upcoming podcast. And please be assured we won't use your real name if that's what you prefer. Remember, if you found this useful, please rate and recommend us. And please follow us on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. Then you'll get us every week with the info you want when you need it. You'll get all the links you need on Phil's social media. Good luck with your money. Phil's doing his best to help make that cash go further. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening.